What do you think of when you think of hypnosis? Do you think of weird circus acts or mind control? In this episode, I break down the myths surrounding hypnosis and share how it can be used as a tool to manage your anxiety and your mental health. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show, and today I'm speaking with Doug Sands, hypnosis extraordinaire. Doug Sands is a consulting hypnotist who helps would-be adventurers overcome fear and anxiety. He's also the host of the Making Meaning podcast, a show that interviews top adventurers about the struggles they've overcome in building their ideal life. Welcome to the show, Doug. Well, thank you so much for having me. Super excited you are here. I know you have such a fascinating story, and I want to hear all about how you got into hypnosis, because I know it's a topic that people have a lot of kind of confusion around, a lot of thoughts on, so I'm definitely excited to chat. Yeah, me as well. There are so many misconceptions that I love to just break down for people. Oh, I love it. I love it. So to start, though, I would love to know a little bit about your mental health story. You know, this is the Mental Health and Wealth Show. I know you have experienced depression and anxiety. Let us know what your story is. Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of people who work with mental health, it's a very deeply personal thing because a lot of us struggle with it. My mental health journey started very young. My mother had it and she took her life when I was very young. And I developed depression um, of my own when I was, I think, 16 or 17, my last year of high school. And because I grew up in rural Wisconsin in the U.S., there wasn't a lot of rhetoric around mental health. It was that idea that if you just didn't talk about it or if you just tried to cheer them up, you know, it would just be better. But that really didn't help me. And so when I came to my family about these issues, I had no words to describe it. And in fact, I was so far out of the loop on my own mental health that it took someone else saying, Doug, I don't think you're doing all right for me to actually question and say, hey, I'm not sure that I'm in a good place right now. And so I went on medication and I went on, uh, I went to a therapist and those definitely, definitely helped me. I am a hypnotist and I work pretty closely with therapists and doctors who prescribe medication. I think that both are valuable because they help some of the population some of the time. I think they're both, uh, they're both essential tools because certain people respond to different treatments, but going on from that. When I went off to college, I left therapy and I was still on medications and I was unsatisfied in college. I was trying to figure out just what I wanted to do with my life. 
And I ended up dropping out of college and bouncing around the, the U.S. on different seasonal work. And it wasn't until I had a pretty harrowing experience on a hike in New Hampshire. I got lost and I ended up bushing, bushwhacking down this mountain. And I could have frozen to death that night. Oh, my gosh. But that was that turning point where I realized I couldn't keep living the way I was living anymore. And so after that, I started looking into alternative ways of managing my own mental health from uh, yoga to meditation to spirituality. And what I really latched on to was meditation. And a lot of people don't know that meditation and hypnosis are very uniquely linked. The brainwave patterns behind the two are pretty similar. And when people, well, I should say when meditators undergo hypnosis, they often report that it feels just like a very deep meditation. And so I had discovered hypnosis through a through listening to podcasts about meditation and you know how to do it better. And when I found out just how effective hypnosis was, I was hooked. I mean, I was using very rudimentary tools on my own mental health. And I was amazed at the results that I was getting. And so I knew pretty, you know, very soon that I had to bring these same tools to other people. And so I got certified and now it's what I do completely. That is so amazing and wonderful. First of all, I just want to say, I'm so sorry about your mother. I know having a family member die by suicide is completely harrowing and difficult. Uh, my grandfather died by suicide as well, but I you know, had never met him. So I know what an impact that has. So thank you for sharing that. And then also, I wanted to talk about something that you brought up that I think was really important, just going back a little bit. You were saying that you didn't have the language to even talk about mental health issues. And I think that is something that is really hindering a lot of people from getting the help that they need because we don't have the language to say that this is, you know, anxiety or this is depression. And, you know, people might think that it's just, oh, this is the way things are, but they don't have the language to communicate what it really is. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. And then also the third point is what you're talking about now is mental health treatment. You know, I think having a variety of modalities can really help people in different ways. And as you mentioned, some people respond to other things and not the other. So, you know, there is uh, treatment-resistant depression, for example, where medication does not seem to work. And I'm so curious about hypnosis and meditation. I will say that I have gone to a hypnotist once. Uh, it was a few years ago when I was really kind of stuck in this toxic place, but trying to get to a healing place, but I was kind of in that messy middle where I was learning a lot about myself, trying to get over a lot of things. And honestly, it, it is like what you described. It was a very meditative state. I don't even remember all of it because it just felt so out of this world. And I just felt really relaxed afterwards. And, you know, I only did one session, so I'm sure that I didn't do it correctly. Um, I probably should have done more, but it was so interesting because I felt really relaxed. And for the rest of the day and the, the next few days, I did feel better. So I would love to hear more about how you got into hypnosis, how you healed yourself, and you know how you're helping others right now. Absolutely. And as you say, um, hypnosis is deeply relaxing. And the people who come out of it, they are so, <laughs> they're so relaxed and they're so in, in the zone of their own life. And it's very, very rare that I work with someone 
even if they have mis, you know misconceptions and fears beforehand that they don't absolutely love the process afterwards because one it feels amazing but two you make changes at such a rapid pace and in my own life when i was just discovering hypnosis the first thing i did was work on my own anxiety and work to break up those thought patterns because our brains run, you know, with mental health, they run in circles. We get stuck in these loops of um, negative thinking. And then we think that those loops are permanent. And so the very first thing that I learned using hypnosis was how to break those up and how to build in better narratives to tell myself. And that was the first foundational step. The next step that really helped me was going back and working with my own memories one of the amazing things about memory is that every single time that we access a memory, we change it. And that's not just how we remember it. We're actually physically changing the protein structures in our brain about how that memory is specifically coded. Oh, wow. And so hypnosis does that intentionally. And so when I was using that on my own self, I would go back to my memories and I wouldn't, I wouldn't erase them because when you erase something, you take away the learnings from that. You know, if you are, if you have something traumatic in your childhood, say you were bitten by a dog or something, you don't want to completely erase that because then they might get into a, a negative situation where they put themselves back in danger or in harm's way. What you want to do instead, and what I did is uh, remove the emotional charge of that negative memory. And so by removing that charge, we're now able to access that memory and keep the learnings and it doesn't, it doesn't keep that anxiety and that depression linked to it. And the amazing thing about working with memory at such a young age, you know, going back and uh, changing it at the unconscious level, is that everything that was built on that memory, whether it was your coping mechanism or your uh, idea of self, everything that is built on that flawed foundation shifts when you take that foundation away. Mm, I love that. And I think that is so fascinating and such a wonderful experience. And, and what a great mental health tool. And that brings me to another question. I would love for you to kind of explain to our listeners what exactly hypnosis is and how does it scientifically work? I know I think it works on the subconscious levels. I know you were just talking about kind of reshifting memories. Um, I'd love for you to go into that a little bit more. Yeah. Where I usually start looking at the science of hypnosis is the brainwave patterns. So a brief rundown of that. Our brains are usually operating in what we call beta frequency. And that varies. Some say it's like 12 to 20. I believe it's somewhere between 18 and about 24 hertz. That's where our brain is at when we're just having a normal conversation, kind of like we're having right now. When you're in solo meditation, your brain is actually speeding up. And so it's entering what we call gamma frequency. And that's anything above, you know, beta. And when you're in that zone, you are intensely focused on something. And when you're meditating, that's the entire point of it. You're focused on your breath or a mantra or something like that. And meditators think that their minds are slowing down, but they're actually speeding up as your mind is taking in more information at a more rapid pace. In guided meditations, you're actually going the other way. You're dropping down through alpha, which is just below beta. And that's where you're at when you're in a light trance or experiencing highway hypnosis. 
and it goes to theta. And theta is that working state of the unconscious mind. It's that state, that frequency just above delta. Delta is where you're at when you're sleeping or you're in a coma or something. Theta is where you're at when you are in a deeply creative flow state. If you've ever been, I don't know, writing a book or doing a creative project and you completely lose track of the environment around you and because you're just so in the zone, you're most likely in theta at that moment. If you've ever experienced having a really great thought right before you fall asleep at, at bedtime, that's theta. That's your brain entering that really deep creative state. And kind of an anecdote about that, Edison actually uses to help him dream up new inventions. Ooh. He would intentionally put himself in theta by falling asleep in his armchair, but he would put a, a very heavy ball bearing in his hand so that just as his body was relaxing enough and his muscles were letting loose as he was about to go into delta, he would drop the ball bearing and that would wake him up. And so he was conditioning himself to go into this deep creative state that is theta. And hypnosis, it takes you there using language patterns that have been studied by neuroscience and they've been developed for, I think, 130 years at least. Um, hypnosis has been, it's been around a lot longer than people realize. I mean, the roots of hypnosis go all the way back to the sleep temples in ancient Greece. And hypnosis as a treatment modality has been accepted by a lot of pretty major organizations for over 100 years. I think the British Medical Association was the first major one. They approved it way back in 1982. And the American Medical Association followed in, I think, 1958. And since then, the American Psychological Association, the um, National Institute of Health, even the National Cancer Institute has approved hypnosis as a treatment modality. Wow. That is so amazing. And I'm so glad that you shed light on that because I think a lot of people have this misconception about hypnosis that, you know, you're trying to mess with people's brains and you kind of think of this kind of circusy character of, you know, hypnosis. Like, what are some of the myths that you see that you would like to debunk right here, right now? Oh, gosh. The first one I always get is people ask if hypnosis is mind control. And this stems from that idea of the stage show, the comedy show. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Hypnosis is simply working with a person's unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind developed at its core from that reptilian part of our brain, that part that really is focused on keeping us safe. The unconscious has two goals, to keep you safe and to keep you happy. And if at any time a hypnotist or anyone else violates either of those goals, your mind is going to bring you out of hypnosis and is essentially going to ignore whatever was just said. And we get this idea from stage shows where people go up onto the stage and they do ridiculous things. But what we have to remember is that the people who are on that stage volunteered to be there. They knew before they went up there, they were probably going to do some ridiculous things. And that was part of the unspoken contract that they made when they went on that stage. Because no one really wants to go on stage and just sit there and you know, do nothing. That's not really entertaining. They want to, they want, they want that magic of hypnosis. And in that setting, hypnosis is about putting them in that state where they're more 
I don't want to say suggestible because that implies the wrong thing. They, they have fewer inhibitions to the mm-hmm. things they would otherwise do. Mm-hmm. Anything they would do on stage, they would already do in their real life. They just need to be in the right frame of mind and the right setting for it. When you're doing this in a therapeutic setting, you're using the same basic concepts as stage hypnosis. But once you get people in that deep state, then you're bringing in tools from uh, neuroscience and psychology to actually make that change. And the hypnosis side of it is really just getting you in that very deep receptive state where those changes can make some lasting impacts. I love that. And thank you so much for debunking that and giving a clear idea of how hypnosis is actually working today. I'm curious what you think about hypnosis as a way to treat mental health issues. What have you seen that works or who would you recommend come see you, you know, if they're suffering from a particular mental health ailment? The first thing I have to say is that I am not a medical doctor. And so technically I cannot work with mental health, like anxiety or depression, because by doing that, I am saying, you know, I'm either diagnosing you with it, or I am saying that I am qualified to treat it. What I usually tell my clients is that, you know, I can't really work with your depression, but I can help make you happy. And if your depression just kind of goes away, you know, that's, that's a bonus side effect, kind of a way around that. But I really love to work with anxiety because you can see some amazing shifts very rapidly. I also do, from time to time, I do work with people with depression. I haven't done as much with the, uh, I don't I don't want, you know, outlier mental illnesses. We think of mental health or mental health as anxiety, depression, and then everything else, I guess. Those are the two big ones that comes to everyone's mind. Um, really, the only mental health I don't want to say, you know, mental health illness that you probably can't use hypnosis on very effectively is anything that's anything like ADHD or ADD where you have a difficulty focusing because hypnosis is all about focusing. And if you can't go into that deep state very easily, it's going to be very difficult to make those changes. Oh, interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I totally understand. You know, we we have to say that caveat on the podcast too, that I'm not a mental health professional <laughs> as well. But you know, these kind of things can be therapeutic still, even if it's not in a diagnostic way. I think being able to get to a mental state where that anxiety is diminished and that you can see things more clearly because, you know, I suffer from anxiety as well. And just feels like everything is heightened. It feels like your brain and your body is on constant alarm. So when someone comes to see you with anxiety, are they accessing that deep, relaxed state? Um, Do they tell you what they'd like to get out of it? Or do you just work with them on what you think is best for them? How does that work? So a typical session after we've really debunked those myths and established the truths of what hypnosis is, The next 10 minutes of that session, we go through specifically what they want and not just what they, what, you know, what their aim is, but how they define their problem. Because when you define a person's issue in their own language, it makes it much more likely that the unconscious is going to accept any suggestion that you give. And it's not me creating these suggestions. 
Almost all of the suggestions that I give in a session are crafted beforehand with the, the actual subject to make sure that this is what they want. Because I can give a beneficial suggestion, but if you're in hypnosis and your brain is like, I don't really agree with that, it, it doesn't matter. So that's how I really ensure that those changes are, are really going to last. Uh, when someone comes to me with anxiety, they do get that benefit of just the deeply relaxing state of hypnosis. That's like uh, a really nice bonus, I guess. But the psychological change happens at such a foundational level because of that hypnosis that um, they walk away even from the first session with some very powerful changes. And with my anxiety clients, I always give them some tools to use in case you know panic or anxiety arises. I've actually compiled those into a video series that I give away on my website. But those tools are tools from hypnosis and yoga and meditation, like breath work and psychological things like that. Things that they can do in under three minutes to help them rapidly de-stress and manage their anxiety. So there are definitely things that people can do daily that are kind of based on hypnosis is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you give an example of just like one of the things that you recommend? Yeah. It's very common now that people have heard of um, 7-Eleven breathing or 4-7-8 breathing. That one's where I typically start people with because it's so simple to do. Uh, the basic concept, you breathe out for longer than you breathe in. Whether you breathe in for a count of seven and breathe out for a count of 11, or you breathe in for a count of seven, breathe out for a count of eight. The entire point is that you are exhaling longer than you inhale. And when you do that, it sends a message from your lungs up the vagus nerve to your brain. And the vagus nerve is that part of us that's responsible for the fight or flight or feeling. Because when your brain notices something that would set that off, it sends a signal down the pipeline to your lungs and heart to speed up. But by slowing down, you send a signal reverse of the pipeline and say, it's all right to be calm because your body says it's all right to be calm. That's one of them that I usually start with, but one that is a little more, a little more in line with hypnosis. This one is also really fun. It's, it's called peripheral vision, and it comes from a hypnotist out of New York City uh, named Melissa Tears. And this one is under a minute long. To do this, find a point that you can focus your attention on with your eyes. And it helps if that spot is above eye level. Because when you are focusing on something above eye level, your brain automatically shifts into that alpha state, which is that light trance. And so already you're getting some calming effect before you even start it. And with your eyes on that spot, lock onto it. And without moving those eyes, begin to notice what you can see on the peripheries of your vision. Notice the colors and the details and the shapes. Notice how clear and sharp they are. Notice just how much you can notice without moving your eyes. And begin to notice if there's an edge to your vision, if it's very clear and definite, or if it's kind of fuzzy. And as you do that simple practice, this automatically shifts your brain, or I should say your body, into that deep meditative breathing that triggers the vagus nerve. And so you're getting a double whammy. You're getting the, the benefits from 7-Eleven breathing without really realizing it. 
And you're also getting that alpha state that your brain is naturally going into. And those two together kind of trick your brain. I like that one because you don't have to, it's not like your intention to breathe deeper, but it happens naturally. You're kind of tricking your brain into doing something that's very beneficial for you. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing those tips. I recently found out about the science behind breathing. And, you know, when we exhale, our parasympathetic nervous system is activated. And that's the one that can help us calm down. And for someone like me who likes to know the why of things, it just made so much sense to be like, oh, this is why everyone says focus on the breath and with emphasis on the exhale. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the science behind it. Love it. So I'm curious, you know, this is the mental health and wealth show. We have a lot of people listening who are dealing with debt, money mindset issues, you know, a variety of different financial issues. Is there a way that hypnosis can help people deal with financial issues that might be rooted in mindset issues? Oh, absolutely. I say that there are very few things that you cannot work on with hypnosis. Not because like hypnosis is this, um, penicillin panacea kind of miracle drug or something, but because you can change your motivations and your habits and your mindset about literally anything. And those are the foundations that any single thing that we do in our lives are really built on. And when specifically working with money, I've worked with clients who have that fear over wealth or have that inability to gather wealth because of issues in their past. And when we go back and resolve those issues in a way that works for them, then it's so much easier for them to start gaining that abundance and building that that safety net for them. I love that. I think that's so amazing because a lot of our behavior starts with our mindset and you know our finances are no different. And so if we can get to that root and change those beliefs, we can change our behavior. And I love, you know, having a hypnosis session that can help that. So are your sessions typically about an hour? Are you just saying things to them for an hour? That's kind of what happened during mine. I, I was um, supposed to look at a certain place and the guy was just saying things for about an hour. How, how does your sessions typically work? <laughs> I typically schedule 90 minutes for my session. So I, typically encourage my clients to come in for a at least two sessions. You know, if we if we resolve the problem after that, that's perfect. That's what we're aiming for. If we need more after that, we just schedule more. But when a hypnotist says they can resolve something in a single session, yeah, that that's true. But imagine if your problem was like a was a, a house and it's decrepit and you want to tear it down and build something new. You could in theory in an hour take a, a backhoe and completely tear down the house and throw up some kind of outhouse shed there. And you could call it good. Like you, you achieved your objective. You built a house. But it really lacks that finesse. And you cannot be sure that the changes are going to last in the way that you want them to last. You can't, you can't really be <laughs> that effective in a single session. And so when I'm working with a person, the first session is usually 90 minutes. But then... Um, it really depends on how long it takes to make that change. Sometimes it goes 75 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's half an hour because the person is really to ready, ready to make that change. And it just happens so easily. And it's not just, it's not just me saying really nice things and kind of hoping and praying that 
you walk out of the session changed. Every single time I do a session, the last five to 10 minutes, I typically put a person back into hypnosis a second time to future pace my work is what we call it. You take that person to a future imagined event and see their reaction. And if that reaction is congruent with the changes that you've made in the session, then you know that that change is not just linked to the therapy room, as in they're not just feeling better right now. That change is actually going to continue further down the line. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm so curious. So you've worked as a hypnotist for a while now. What are some of your favorite results that you've seen with your clients? Oh, of course, all, you know, sensitive uh, information is changed. But I think so. I I would like to work with people who uh, live adventurously because that's that's what I like to do. And anxiety and adventure, that's kind of my theme because I, I had anxiety and it was preventing me from living that adventurous life. And so a lot of my really big um, shining moments come from that field. There was a business executive who had a, a pretty serious mountain biking accident that they had a fear of mountain biking after that. And we resolved that. And it actually wasn't that event that caused it. It was an event in their childhood that they completely blocked out and forgotten about. They had been riding a bike and one of their training wheels was loose and it fell off. And that terror of falling over and having no control was what initially set that fear in. And so that was a really cool thing to see just how many, because when you change something that foundational, it has that ripple effect in their life. And I, I still get some updates from him on just what has changed in his life and what is continuing to change. Another really cool one, I worked with a rock climber who was going to um, South America in six months or so, and they really, really wanted to hone in their craft and, you know, dial it in before they went to these really famous mountains on this trip. And I should say there are two types of change that I work with as a hypnotist. There's generative change and there's remedial change. Remedial change is when you're going back and fixing something. Like if you've got something in your past that's causing you anxiety or depression, that's remedial change. That is, um, I find that really rewarding because you tend to find very, very positive results from that. That's like the life-changing hypnosis that you tend to see. Generative change is when you are taking someone's existing skills and bumping them up and increasing their mindset. And so like Olympians and star athletes, they're doing hypnosis all the time, whether they tell anyone the press about it or not, because this is a secret that has been really locked away since the 1950s. Like if you want to be the best at your game, then you've got to get your mindset at, at that same level. And hypnosis is one of the most effective ways to do that. Oh, that is so powerful. And I'm sure it's just so rewarding to see people change and to have that freedom and, and not having that terror as you talk about in, in your mind. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> when a person comes to me and they've been struggling with this issue, whatever it is for years. And then in a single session, we I show them just how much they're capable of. It's a, they walk out of it a completely different person. And I want, I want to emphasize that it's not me making those changes. In any, in any hypnosis session, it's me getting that person to that 
state where they are able to make those changes and using those tools to nudge them in the direction. But ultimately, I cannot change their brain. That's that you know unconscious protecting you. And ultimately, you have to be the one willing to make that change. And so when a person is ready to make that change, the change can happen immediately. And that's what I often find in people who are coming to me with mental health issues. I mean, I know how rough and how painful those things are. And so it makes very clear sense to me why they're so ready to change in that moment. Yeah, I love that this is kind of a new modality that people can consider when they are looking at mental health options. So definitely, this is something that people can think about. Where can people find you and work with you? Yeah, I usually send people to my website, which is anywherehypnosis.com. I also like to send people to my Instagram because that's where I let people take free test drives of hypnosis. Every single Friday, I give out a new hypnosis session. And it's not just a guided meditation or something where I'm just putting you in a, a nice state or doing anything like that. I'm actually taking the same techniques that I'm using in the therapy room or in the, the session room and distilling those into a general hypnosis session. And so these are actually designed to make some powerful changes in your life. And I've, the first one was on anxiety relief, of course, but I've done ones on managing food cravings and building empowering beliefs and removing limiting beliefs. Uh, I think, I don't know when this is coming out, but in January or February of 21, I've got a session coming out to work with panic attacks. And that one was a fun one to develop and uh, really work with. They can also find me on their favorite podcasting app because I run my own podcast called the Making Meaning Podcast. And that's where I interview adventurous people, people who have really stepped into the central role of their life. And I ask them about their own mental health struggles and other struggles that they've overcome. My goal there is to inspire people to take that change because change, as we've been talking about, it's really up to you to make. And along the way, I give the tools from hypnosis and NLP and other tools that I've discovered along the way. But it's about inspiring them and then showing them just how to make those changes. Love it. Definitely check all those resources out. I think that's amazing. I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of this wonderful information. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.